Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Hello, hello, hello. It's Holly Rustic here with Grant Writing and Funding, and welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast Show where I help you grow capacity, increase funding, and to advance mission. All right, guys, so we are going to be talking about budgets today. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, so I have a great guest on the show, Mr. Damien Scott, and he is going to be discussing, among many things, the difference between a program budget and an administrative budget, as well as how to account for in-kind in your budget, recommended software for nonprofit accounting, the importance of operating reserves to hold your profit over, and so, so much more. These are all a lot of questions that I get, and I am not an accountant, but it's a good thing that Mr. Damien Scott is. So he is going to be spending a lot of time discussing these different things today in a very easy to understand way. Yes, I know it can get confusing and overwhelming, so he is here to break all of these things down in a very doable way. And he has a lot of experience to showcase this, as well as an interesting twist on what he does for nonprofits as well, uh, which is to raise awareness for lupus. So really interesting twist on this. You guys are going to love what he does as he is on his way to the seven summits, which is the highest peak on each of the seven continents he will climb in awareness for lupus. So very, very cool. He's going to give you a lot of tips today, and he's going to talk about that passion he has as well, which is super cool. If you guys want to jump over and watch the YouTube channel, please do, because you're going to see uh, some of his amazing travels behind him in his picture. So very, very cool. Anyways, before we get started in today's podcast, I just want to give you guys a shout out to please visit grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 216 for all of today's show notes as well as to join our free dun, 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 grant writing and funding hub haven where you can get a ton of free resources including a short video uh, series for grant writing our grants formula there we also have downloadables for grant writing we also have our top tips to position your nonprofit for funding, which is a checklist. So you can definitely rate your organization and a lot of just in general, how to get your nonprofit grant ready documents and checklists and free staff. And we also have a lot of checklist templates and resources for you who are thinking about becoming a freelance grant writer or maybe already are one and want to improve your freelance business. So please do check out grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 216 to uh, check out the show notes. And once you go there, you'll see a little pop up to see if you want to join our free Hub Haven. Just put your email in and you can get access to our beautiful hub online for free. All right, so let's go ahead and get into it today. So Mr. Damien Scott, he is the owner of My Summit CFO and Accounting and Tax Practice based in Pennsylvania with clients across the United States. He is also the founder of a nonprofit called The Seven Summits of Lupus, an organization devoted to spreading global awareness of lupus and is a nationwide program called the Lupus Warrior Outdoor Adventure Program. 
He is a financial professional and as a leader in a nonprofit organization with an MBA in accounting and over 23 years of experience assisting business owners in reaching their summit. Damien believes that all entrepreneurs need and deserve a competent guide in order to navigate the intricacies of this ever-changing business environment. He draws on his 23 years of experience, education, and his mountaineering background in order to guide his clients to increase revenues and greater cash flow to elevate their business to new heights. When Damien is not assisting uh, nonprofits and businesses in reaching new heights, he is traveling the world on a quest for the Mountaineer's Grand Slam to reach the highest peak on each of the seven continents, also known as the Seven Summits, and a traverse of the North and South Poles. All right, guys, so without further ado, here's Damien. All right, so we are live on this, well, we're not live, we're recording on this side, but we're <laughs> definitely here. Um, so I'm super excited. My name is Holly Rustic from Grant Writing and Funding, and you guys are on the Grant Writing and Funding podcast show right now, where we help grow capacity, increase funding, and to advance mission of nonprofits around the world. And to help me achieve that today, we have a special guest, Mr. Damien Scott. Hello, Damien. Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding podcast show. Hello, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'm super excited you're here too. I know you reached out to me and I was looking over your stuff and I was like, wow, you got to come on. You have some great skills, financial, <clears throat> among others, <laughs> that we want to talk about. And I, you know, I, I've been trying to get more and more financial consultants, accountants, bookkeepers, and um, all of you guys on the show, because I get so many questions from people about, okay, you know, we're doing this grant writing and stuff, but how do we actually balance the books? How do we look at our expenses? How do we, you know, this grant's going to run out? What do we do? You know, so there's a lot of financial questions. Um, so I want to bring in experts like yourself um, to talk about that. So thank you once again for coming on the show. My pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah, and just to give you, I'm just going to give a little bit of your bio so people can know who you are, but uh, Damien, sure. it's really cool because, you know, you're a part, you're the owner of My Summit CFO, and that has multiple layers, and we're going to talk about those multiple layers of your name today, <laughs> so I'm excited about that, and you can even see if you guys are watching on YouTube or Facebook, like the behind Damien is a bunch of mountains, and what I learned in the green room is it's Nepal, right, so really, really cool you have a passion for actual summits, like not just metaphorical yes. ones. <laughs> yes. Right, right. So on top of helping clients reach their summit in, in business and, and in their nonprofit journeys, uh, I like to actually summit some mountains. <laughs> yes, I, I love that. So I was like, that's so interesting. So um, I love that we're going to talk about that today and how that actually connects to the nonprofit that you have, the Seven Summits of Lupus. So you do a lot of this work, as we were talking about in the green room once, once again, about, you know, your own business actually helps provide the financial stability for you to raise awareness for lupus and for your nonprofit. So very cool. Kudos to you on, Thank you know... You. Yeah, really having something you're passionate about and being able to fund it. So remember, we don't always get grants for all, everything we do. Some things we can pull in actual for-profit partnerships and that sort of thing, like your business to help fund the nonprofit work. So right. really cool. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, and of course you have more than 23 years of experience in the nonprofit world an MBA in accounting, um, so much more and are on your way to actually summiting the seven peaks of the world. So um, definitely exciting. We're going to be talking about all that today. So get nice, get lot. your popcorn out. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to get it all in there, but we'll try. Yeah. And hey, we're, we're live on Facebook too right now. So if you guys are tuning in on Facebook and if Damien can see any comments or questions that you guys get, we can totally ask those as we're on the show today as well. We can. Yeah, interact. definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So, Damien, let me know like about you then. I, I know I kind of explained you, but what got you interested in this? And, you know, like, what's your story? So Holly, it's really, it's really interesting to me that, that you're doing this podcast because it's something that's really needed in the nonprofit world, right? I mean, us people that are, you know, founders or executive directors in nonprofits, you know, we have a real, we have a real responsibility to not just serve the people that we're trying to serve or be activists for what we're trying to be activists for. But there's this fiscal responsibility behind all that, that sometimes, you know, executive directors and founders of nonprofits either really don't understand or don't know or rely so much on other people that they're, they're away from it too much. And they really need to have at least that broad stroke understanding of what their responsibility is. Um, if not, if they're if they're just starting their nonprofit, they need to be more hands-on so that they understand the entire process and how, you know, budgeting and and accounting for restricted funds and non-restricted and how all that kind of ties together in their financials so that they can build their nonprofit to get to that next level. So yeah, I, I love what you're doing and I love the opportunity to help other nonprofits reach that goal and understand their fiscal responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's really important. Like you said, and I think, you know, a lot of people get into the nonprofit sector because they're passionate about something, um, you know, it's personally affected them or their family or their loved ones, and they want to see some meaningful change and some positive impact and, and much of that they're doing. However, um, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, and they might just pull this to get together a board of directors who are people that are also passionate, but may not have all of the different business acumen or the different types of skills that are needed to run a business. And a nonprofit is a business, right? Um, so it is a business model and it's, it's a different type of business model than a yeah. for-profit, but it still is. So financial accounting might not be a matrix um, of skills uh, that's, you know, in their purview at this time because it's more program oriented and focused. So definitely what you have to say then today is going to be amazing because, you know, a lot of, like I was saying, a lot of the questions that I get as far as um, budgeting, it's just, I mean, from the basics of what should my categories, what should a budget be? Um, what should I include in there? How do I even what am I looking at when I'm looking at a budget? You know, the, the treasurer pulls out the, the budget. <laughs> Here's our annual report or whatever. And people are just kind of like, I don't even really know what I'm looking at. So right. just from the basics, can you kind of give us some basics before we get into maybe a little bit more sophisticated um, questions? Yeah, absolutely. So really what I found, and look, some of this is trial by error myself, because I've been a for-profit business, you know, my accounting practice for so many years. And then I jumped into this realm of nonprofit, the nonprofit world, which, which you're right, it is a business. And there's a lot of similarities there. 
Um, but there's a different approach to everything. And, and what I learned was really preparing a budget, a program budget and your general or operating fund budget. Um, those two pieces are really, really important before you go out or as you're trying to go out and get donors and grants and all the, you need to understand what that budget is. Um, and if you don't know the difference, a program budget is the program that you're providing, the advocacy or the, the, the service that you're providing as a nonprofit, that's your program. For us, we have the Lupus Warrior Outdoor Adventure Program. Yeah. Um, and we have a budget for that program, what it costs to run that program and take participants through that entire program. And then we have our general or operating fund program, right? Or, or budget, so to speak. Yeah. So those two things look different. So in our general budget, it's the it's the administrative task, the thing, the administrative cost to to run the nonprofit, your your website costs, your your G Suite accounts, um, postage, and those sorts of things are going to go into your general fund budget. Your program budget needs to be set separately, and that really does help when you're going to write grants or or yes. get donors. They want to. Because they're they're not they don't want to donate to your nonprofit for expenses. They want to donate to your nonprofit because you have a program in place to assist the the people that you're trying to assist or advocate for the people that you're trying to advocate for. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I love that differentiation of like here's our operations and here's our program. Like, you know, so really looking at because like you said, like maybe the rent for the place for your nonprofit's um, facility. But your program might be, you know, a field trip somewhere like it might not be hosted there necessarily. And and right. separating that, though, OK, I'm just going to play the devil's advocate here is. Sure. Okay, so. Okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, of course you are. Yeah, of course I will. So um, because once we separate it, though, then people say, how do I fund the administration or the operations if I'm only getting money for the programs? Because those things are still very important. Right. You know what I mean? Sure. So look, there's a, there's a lot of grants and a lot of donors out there that understand that there's a, there's a cost to running these programs, or there's a cost administrative cost or an overhead cost, so to speak, which is your rent, your electricity, your water, if you have that, your telephones, those are overhead costs, right? So a lot of your, the grants that you write will have a part of your budget that you can allocate to that. Um, but the, the majority of what you're going to go for, the majority of what you're getting are program-related funds, yes. funds to help you run your program. Mm -hmm. So when, again, when you're writing grants, and I'm not a grant writer, <laughs> I, I mean, you and I probably need to talk offline about that. Um, <laughs> well, I can certainly use one. Um, but, I got you, you know, I got you. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Um, but the, you, you really need to look at what the grant that you're applying for and what the application, you know, parameters are that allow you to allocate certain portions of that grant to overhead expenses, so to speak. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, and that's great. I mean, I always tell people do that. You know what I mean? Bring in some of that into your budget. If you can put a certain percentage towards your executive director, all of those things, um, your indirect cost rate, right. To kind of pull in some of those administrative or operational, you know, overall operational costs. Um, right. And then, you know, now let's talk about another word 
in a budget that oh, may oh, oh okay <laughs> let's talk about in kind because that's the other part where nonprofits go ah oh, and for profits like you said don't really need to deal with this one so you know it's a right. totally different and that's like if somebody's volunteering their time or mostly though it's when you're looking at budgets, it's donations of some sort. Maybe someone's giving you the phone or Wi-Fi at no cost, like an IT company, or you know, there's different sorts of in-kind that they can donate or give. So that I know has made some of the boards I'm on the treasurers pull their hair out because they say, How do I settle this? So can we talk about the elephant? <laughs> Well, yeah, the elephant, the road, that, that's a never ending battle that I think all nonprofits go through, even myself, right, is how do we determine the in kind and, and what we've done is kind of, you know, we have to take it a step further because I am the accountant and I, I have that background I'm very particular about getting the information so that we can book in kind donations. And so that we can provide those those providers of the in-kind donations with the required letter at the end of the year to show how much they've 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 donated to our organization. Uh, so we actually actually ask them to give us an invoice um, right. that or a detailed statement of okay, like we have sponsors, um, Kula Bar, which I love you guys. Sorry, shameless plug here. Um, they, they provide us with some amazing gifts for our, for our participants. And I get from them, you know, how much are these hats that you're giving us? How much are these shirts? How much are these pants? Uh, and that allows us to book those in-kind donations. Uh, and I think that is a very important piece because a lot of nonprofits miss that. And it's a question you just have to ask. Hey, thanks for your donation. We'd love to make sure that you get the appropriate letter so you can get the, the write-off at the end of the year. Can you send me a statement or a detailed itemization of what you've given to us so that we can we can provide that for you? Yes. So giving them that letter, and that's always great. Um, so they can use it for their tax purposes as well. So it's a win-win, right? And then also though, but how does that impact the budget, I guess is what I'm trying to get out. Is that actually an income? Is it an expense? Is it, where Where does that fall? The indirect, well, in kind, not indirect, yeah. sorry. <laughs> Don't want to get confused. You're trying to go into a whole nother thing. Yeah, um, no, 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 we're not gonna go there. <laughs> Please don't. So yeah, those in-kind in donations are just that. It's, in, it's income to you guys, right? But those in-kind donations, nine times out of 10, are being used for your program, right? So we receive hats or we receive clothing from this amazing, generous sponsor. And that's income. But when we give it to our, when we give it to our participants, we're, we're showing that as given, uh, goods or services provided. Okay. Okay. So, so we, we do look at that budget as we're, we need to get this much in in-kind donations for our gifts to our participants. Okay. So you consider it as goods given. So would that be an actual an expense then? Well, no, it's, okay. it's, it's not, it's okay. not, but we know how much. So, and I, I keep using our yeah, yeah, program yeah. as an as an example but hopefully some people can relate to this we get the hats that is an in-kind that is an income item on your on your on your on your income statement right. on your on your books but when you give that to participants that it doesn't become an expense it's not something that you, it's not something that you can write off but you have to show that in-kind donation is income so that you can you can give the sponsor, the donor, the, the appropriate letters for tax purposes. 
Awesome. Yeah. So that's, thank you. And I, I know we just went down the rabbit's hole there. So you guys, if you're listening, don't be pulling your hair out, but that is something that you may have faced in the past. And I hear this a lot. So I wanted to ask the question, right? Because there's a lot of confusion on in kind. And even for grants, a lot of times we need to show that because we're using it as matching, right? So a lot of grants require matching and sometimes they let you use in kind to match the grant, right? So right. having, like you said, a list itemized of this is the exact value, that's only gonna help you with your grant writing as well, because you need to show that documentation when submitting grants. So if, if it require matching. Yeah, so thank yeah. you for addressing that. It's kind of why I went down that rabbit hole too. <laughs> And it, it, I think that's something that all nonprofits face, you know, how do we really, how do we account for it? How do we get the information for it? But that's truly how you need to account for it. Ask the question to get the information and then account for it as in-kind donations on your income statement. Nice. Okay. And I, and I love that, you know, so as far as like looking now, cause we kind of went big and then we went small and now we're, let's pull back out and say, how do, okay, we talked, talked about this a lot or a little bit, but just doing a budget in general for nonprofit. So does that go back to just having basically let's have a program budget, let's have an administrative budget? Is there any other, you know, uh, advice that you give just how to structure a budget? Well, you know, if you're somebody, if you're a nonprofit that's been in existence for a few years and either you're stepping into a role that that's making you prepare a budget or you're, uh, you're taking over, whatever the case may be. If you've been in, in, in the industry for a few years, if you've been in the nonprofit for a few years, you have some data. Yeah. Um, what you want to do is you want to look at that data and you also want to, you want to forecast for the future. What are we, what are we projecting to do this year? How many people do we want? How many plates of food do we want to serve, serve this year? How many people do we want to help this year? Uh, and back into your budget. I always like to kind of say, hey, this is what we want to do this year. And then I back into those numbers, right? It, and it, it really does help if you have a couple years of data. Yeah. If you're really new in the nonprofit, you're just beginning your nonprofit and you want to do things right, you know, you got to do some research. Mm -hmm. um, if, if you're providing meals to homeless, um, how many meals do you want to serve? Uh, how many people do you really want to impact through your organization and then work your way backwards? Okay. How much does that meal cost? Mm -hmm. What's in that meal, right? Is it, it's meat and potatoes and vegetables, uh, and a drink. Okay. How much is that going to cost to serve the 5,000 people you want to serve? And then you can back into those numbers, mm -hmm. uh, from a program standpoint, from an administrative standpoint, you really, it, it, I, I want to say it's kind of easy. Uh, it's kind of intuitive. Look at what your overhead costs are. If you have rent, if you have telephone, if you have electricity, if you have those sorts of things and, and budget out what that's going to cost you for the year. Um, that part's pretty easy. The program part takes a little bit of work. You, you kind of look at what you're trying to accomplish and then back into those numbers. It makes it, it, makes it a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. And I, I like how this is very, it is. It's when you really think about it like that, it's not stressful. You can just kind of like, Let's list it down. You know what I mean? Let's figure out how much all this costs and then what we really need and what we want to accomplish and what's realistic. You know, you might want to do 5,000 meals, but maybe you don't need that many meals too in your community. So that's like doing your research and finding out what the gaps really are, right? And how you can approach them. So, yeah. 
And it's really easy as passionate individuals who want to serve, right? That's what nonprofits do. They, they serve. And, and typically the executive directors, the founders, they're very passionate about what they do. I wanted to allow 15 to 20 people to, to get into one of our programs, but, you know, talking over, talking it over with the coaches and my, my administrative board member, they're like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. So it always helps to kind of bounce ideas off of people. If you have a board of directors, you know, what are their thoughts on this? Does 5,000 plates make sense? Right. Is it more like 2,000, right? So yeah, bouncing that idea off of people is really important too. Yeah, I love that. And now let's kind of switch over to um, operating reserves. I really like this because, you know, we kind of talked to, you just talked about, we were going to start a budget. And, you know, so once you have some history, you're getting sponsors, you're getting grants, you're getting donors, you're getting some monies. And now you're in a place where you're like, let me see how I can make this sustainable. So what are operating reserves and then how can you really leverage them? And you can talk about that. That's a great question. And I think something that is missed so many times in smaller nonprofits um, is those operating reserves. And look, they're really important from the standpoint of sustainability. All of us want, you know, again, we're passionate individuals that want to serve the community that we're serving. Uh, but to be able to do that in a sustainable way is extremely important. Having operating reserves allows you for when you have a pitfall. Look, COVID hurt a lot of people. It took out a lot of businesses. It hurt a lot of nonprofits and their, their, their donors and receiving funds. Um, and it was really difficult. But those that had some sort of operating reserve that allowed them to continue their, their mission um, were able to weather that storm just a little bit easier than others. Mm -hmm. So accounting for operating reserves is a little bit, it can be a little bit tricky. Again, we're nonprofits, right? We're getting grants and funds that that are specifically designed to help us provide a program. They account for some of our operating costs, but not all of them. And then we get other, you know, either in-kind donations or individual donations um, that help us with those operating costs. We have to, I feel it's very important for a, an executive director or founder to look at what they can place aside in an operating reserve account, mm -hmm whether it's 3% or 2% of, you know, in-kind donations or individual donations that are brought in that they can set aside that allows them weather that storm further down the road when there is one, because mm -hmm. inevitably there's going to be storms. Yeah. There's, there always is. Yes. And, you know, and that's really great to look at. And like you talked about individual donations, you might not be able to do with grants because those might be some restricted funds, but there are different types of funding streams that come in, such as individual donations, um, maybe specific sponsorships even, or, you know, all of the different things, right? So looking at that unrestricted funds, the sexy word, they're not restricted to a certain program. So that's right. why, but, you know, and utilizing a percentage of those, I love, like, let's just take a couple percent and put it somewhere where we can keep it. And I, I think, you know, and I, that's why I really wanted to bring this up too, because there's kind of a misnomer in nonprofits that we have to equal zero every year, or we have to, you know what I mean? Like we can't carry yeah. money in our account. That's not a good thing. We should be spending it all. So can you kind of talk about that too? Cause that's really, I think, you know, a, a, mis, a misnomer. 
It is. It, it truly is. I mean, it, look, we're, we're nonprofits and every, like you said, everybody thinks that a nonprofit means at the end of the day, you have to have break even or below zero. That's not truly the case. There is a percentage gap there, right? I mean, if, if you're showing this huge profit, there, there could be some tax ramifications to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can show a profit and it's okay. Uh, that percentage, it, it's kind of, I, I don't know if I can get into that right now. It gets a little bit, it's a little tricky. It's a little detailed, mm-hmm. but don't be afraid to have revenue left over at the end of the year. Don't be afraid to leave money in your account. Don't be afraid if your bottom line is in the black. Yeah. Um, obviously, if you're working with a good accountant, uh, they'll be monitoring that at the very minimum, at the very minimum, if you're a nonprofit, make sure you're meeting with your accountant at least quarterly. If you're not doing that, then there's a problem. Um, I recommend they're with their accountant at least once a month. Mm -hmm. I mean, the financials may signing off saying, yep, this looks good to me. Uh, Asking any questions, letting your accountant see the progress of your, of your organization is really important and also helps you engage with them uh, Mm -hmm. when you do have questions regarding the finances. Nice. No, I love that. That's a good, great right things a lot of times they don't don't meet with them okay and the thing is is that you know you don't have to have a full-time accountant either at your nonprofit you know I actually highly recommend especially smaller nonprofits who are starting to say outsource that you don't want to be paying full-time payroll fringe benefits to an accountant just you can outsource and it can be very um you know uh, affordable and then you don't have to worry about that payroll right so We'll think about it. I mean, again, we're talking about passionate people that want to serve a community Mm -hmm. through their nonprofit. Typically when they're starting, they have a full-time job already. Yeah. Right. Whether, whatever their full-time job is, Mm -hmm. they don't have time to be looking at the books and doing the the data entry and reconciling the bank accounts. And they don't have time for that. Yeah. You need to spend your time where it's best served. Mm -hmm. And and that's, and that's growing your program. Right. Not, Not, crunching numbers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I do yeah. love what your, your business offers because I believe it's very advantageous for nonprofits. You know what I mean? To be able to tap into that and businesses um, as well, but um, kind of pulling back into the reserve question, then what is there like, you know, kind of, you know, for personal reserves, they kind of say three to six months in your account, you know, of living expenses. Is there some kind of like formula that might just be a generic kind of, you know, here's the starting point for your reserves? Yeah, that, that'd be great if I could just say, hey, do X times X and you're good. Um, it, it, it's not yeah. like that, right? It, you really have to, look, I, I know in my own, I try to keep that three to six months of operating expenses in my, in my, in my reserve account mm-hmm. at all times. Mm-hmm. I try not to dip below that. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm like, it's a, we're a growing nonprofit. So mm-hmm. we're not, you know, we're not at that point where it's, but we skim that line a lot where it's like, okay, well, we've got six months. This is good. Like, okay, let's add this to the program, but you really have to, each nonprofit is different. Each nonprofit's mission is different. Each nonprofit's uh, expense line items are different, how much they're going to have in expenses. If you do keep in that three to six month range, that's that's a safe bet, um, depending on what your programs are, depending on what your expenses are. Um, 
sometimes that's hard to do. Mm-hmm. Some people have more expenses than others. <laughs> right. Uh, right. So, and again, that's another reason to be engaged with your accountant at the minimum on a quarterly basis, because they can help you make that determination. Oh, I love that. It's so important. Yeah. Just having that, that communication and relationship with an accountant. So, you know, and then even your treasurer, right. They need to understand all of that of the reporting at your board meetings. So, um, Absolutely. yeah. So that's something they have to kind of translate then, you know, what's going on to the rest yeah. of your board. So, yeah, I love, I love that you put in here, like you're, you'd like to talk about operating reserves because that is such, like you said, it's so under discussed and I really appreciate that. So as far as like n- another thing um, that I wanted to address is accountability and transparency. And that's really important, especially for grants too, right? They ask a lot of those questions. So how, yeah, what, what does that mean exactly in the financial wow. You know, when, when you're talking about it, so not for-profit businesses tend to keep all their doors and windows really shut. <laughs> they don't want everybody to know. They don't want, you know, true visibility and, and transparency for, for a lot of different reasons. And that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're talking again about you're trying to serve a community. And when you're out there trying to get grants and you're out there trying to get donors, they want to have full transparency. They want to know, okay, where's my money going? How is it really servicing people? And then at the end of the day, did you really service those people? Yeah. So that transparency lends to the trust of the organization, mm-hmm. right? The more transparent you are, even if it's bad, I'll be honest with you, I've seen some bad records in my time, mm-hmm. but it wasn't because the founder or the executive director didn't try. They just had the wrong people in the seat, right? right? So that transparency, you really need to be, you need to be transparent. Uh, Your treasurer, whoever you have acting as your treasurer, make sure that they're engaged with the accountant, that they understand the financials. Um, A lot of times, even with myself, I've actually sat in the board meetings to help the treasurer explain things for a couple months until they felt more comfortable Mm -hmm. uh, in, in explaining it themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, that transparency is really key in, in the nonprofit financial responsibility arena. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And with, is that like, you know, I've seen, uh, certain nonprofits, they actually publish their financials online on their website, you know, to what extent is transparency really, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a great question. I think that leads to the community you're serving, the the donors and grants that you have that are going through, that's going to determine kind of how far that transparency goes. Mm-hmm. Obviously, nonprofits, you can go and look up a nonprofit's financials. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's it's out there. Yeah. If people want to go and search for it and find it, it's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of where you post it, if you post it on the internet, if you put that's kind of dictated by the types of funds you're receiving and the type of donors you're going after. Mm-hmm. High net worth individuals that are donating hundreds of thousands of dollars a year are going to want to see those financials whenever they ask for them. Yeah. Or they don't even want to have to ask for them. They just want them given. They want to know that their funds are going to the use that they're giving the funds for. 
Yeah. So even that transparency could just be having it available, like having it accessible. So you know where it's at, you know, because I can't tell you how many times I've been with nonprofits and they don't even know where their latest, the most recent budget is, if they're using Excel or, you know what I mean? Like it just, it gets confusing and varied. So accessibility is important, right? (laughs) Yeah. So again, and that leads to and I can't reiterate this enough, you have to be engaged with your accountant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it, if you're producing financials at the minimum, again, if you're a new, just starting nonprofit, um, at the very minimum, engage with them quarterly, make sure that those budgets, those budgets to actuals, those financial statements are all updated at least quarterly. They really should be done monthly. Uh, that way, at the you know at the drop of a hat, you can provide those to a donor. If you're writing grants, you have that information available. Your grant writers need to know what the budget is. So yes. that visibility is so important. Or your grant writers are just going, well, I guess I make up numbers. Yeah, and you don't want that. Yep. Nope. <laughs> so, really important. Really right. important. And and before we talk about your nonprofits, I wanted to get into that a little bit today is um, also, yeah, uh, what do you recommend as an accountant then for software for budgets? You know, there's QuickBooks for nonprofits. There's there's a lot of different things. Do you recommend? Do you subscribe to anything? So here's where here's why I like I've been a QuickBooks certified pro advisor for many, many years. Uh, I was using QuickBooks when it was on three and a half by five floppy disks. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Okay. But here's the thing, you know, it's not built specifically for nonprofits. It doesn't have a lot of the intricacies that I really wanted as an accountant, as a founder, an executive director in my own nonprofit. I found a really great platform called Aplos. I, I love it. It's tremendous. Um, budgeting and program, you know, I can run in a a detailed income and expense report on a program. Um, I can run it on my general fund account. I can ask for donations through it. I mean, it's a, it's a tremendous program. It takes some work to getting used to, uh, but once you understand it, it's a fantastic program, whatever you're doing again, I recommend it's, it's, easy to be used. It's easily accessed for those that need access to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that's web-based, I think, look, that's, that's the way the world is working now. Yeah. Um, you know, make sure you have something that's kind of web-based. You can get to it from wherever you're at. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even if, even if you are starting with those Excel sheets on a Google drive, right. So where it's in the cloud. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So that's really good. And what and how do you spell that? Aplos? I've never heard of that one before. Yeah, A-P-L-O-S. Nice. Okay. Fantastic program. Share it in the show notes as well. Um, that's that's a new one. I like that. Because I know QuickBooks, there's a lot of, like you said, I mean, it's a it's great, but for nonprofits, it doesn't have all of the things that may be needed. So that might be a great yeah. one. So from the accountant himself, he's recommending <laughs> this. So yeah, so let's now like shift into, um, and thank you once again for all of these great tips, like wonderful tips on how to kind of manage a budget and what it means and all of that. Um, But now looking at your nonprofit, so you also, you know, have a nonprofit and that you're doing a lot of work to provide awareness for lupus. So is that because, is that something near and dear to you? It is. Um, I met 
my my now wife about 13 years ago and her sister-in-law um was living with lupus but she didn't even know it uh wow. and she lived in the dominican republic and when I met her, she was very, very sick. Almost all of her hair was gone, uh, but nobody was able to diagnose her or understand what was going on with her. We ended up getting, I ended up having her test sent here to the United States, had a doctor look at him, and he was easily able to tell from her blood work that she, that she had lupus. Yeah. Fast forward all these years later, she's managing it very well, but it was something that kind of touched me deeply that that, you know, we're in the 21st century and here's, here's a really young lady, beautiful family, and they can't diagnose her. They can't figure out what's wrong. So I dug more into what lupus was. It's an autoimmune disease. Uh, it affects people in so many different ways. It's misdiagnosed all the time. And I just felt like there was something more that I could do. So I combined my passion of you know, helping others and helping people with lupus and, and climbing mountains. And now I spread global awareness through my attempts at climbing the seven summits, which is the highest peak on each of the seven continents. I love that. That's amazing. So yeah. And you know, and I, and just, wow, for your sister-in-law, I hope she's doing better now that she was able to get diagnosed, you know, um, cause autoimmune yes. disorders are, you know, they're really difficult, right? So yes. the treatment and that sort of thing. So, um, but, you know, kudos to you for, you know, raising awareness because like autoimmune, it is very misdiagnosed, like you mentioned, um, a lot of the disorders that they have, right, that fall underneath that spectrum. <clears throat> so um, did your nonprofit specifically, like what kind of uh, specific outreach do they do for lupus or is it research or? Yeah, so we actually provide, so from a global scale, I just meet with people that suffer from lupus. I meet with doctors in other countries where I'm climbing, uh -huh. uh, just to understand what's going on there to provide uh, assistance where I can, and to give inspiration that, you know, it's an uphill battle, mm -hmm. but you know, we're all in it together. And we're here to help where we can. Here in the United States, we run a program called the Lupus Warrior Outdoor Adventure Program, mm -hmm. where we take participants through a six month fitness, nutrition, yoga, and mental health coaching program. Uh, and then at the end of those six months, we fly them. And again, all of this is completely free to the participants. Mm -hmm. We will fly them to an epic outdoor location, uh, spend a long weekend together. They'll meet their coaches because all this is done virtually. Oh, wow. um, our, our coaches are all over the U.S. Our participants are all over the U.S. And then we just fly them all together. We get to meet the, the participants. They get to meet the coaches. This year in July, we're taking uh, the five people in our program right now to Yellowstone National Park. Oh, so nice. yeah, they get to they get to learn how to get back outdoors safely and joyously. Um, again, we've partnered with amazing companies uh, that help us make that happen. Uh, again, sun is a bad thing for people with lupus. Mm. It really affects them. Uh, so Coolabar and their sun protective clothing, Sun Bum helps us out. Uh, We've got just amazing partnerships that help them get back outdoors and enjoy the outdoors again. Oh, I love that. That's so awesome. So you're in, in the different work that you're doing to go to these different countries, right? So obviously you're going to the different seven continents to uh, yes. be climbing the peaks. And so how has that been going? I know you said you've been going down to Argentina. I think you're starting in South America first or 
Is that your? Yeah. Favorite? So, uh, and just so that everybody knows, all the climbs that I do are self-funded. None of the none of the funds come from our programs. Um, mm -hmm. I have self-funded all the climbs that I've done so far. Unfortunately, I'm still waiting on my first summit. Um, <laughs> but I don't I don't quit. I'm not a quitter. Uh, I've been to Argentina twice to climb to try and climb the second highest of the seven summits, mm -hmm. uh, which is Aconcagua. It's a very mm -hmm. hard name to say. Um, but didn't make it to the summit. I'm actually heading to Mexico here in a couple of weeks to, to climb a couple of volcanoes. And then in September, I'll be out in Kilimanjaro. So this year was supposed to be a big year. I was actually supposed to be in Russia in June, but that's kind of closed down because of the, the problems yeah. that are happening over there, which is yeah. very sad to see, but mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Wow. So that's, that's a, really a warrior in you to uh, pick up this cause and to integrate some of your own passions as well, you know, to really kind of combine. I love seeing, um, you know, when people kind of combine these things in interesting ways and that provides meaning that's so unique, but uh, gets, you know, a lot of, a lot, very interesting to me. So I love I appreciate it. That. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a lot of fun. I get to, I get to experience different cultures. I get to meet different people in Argentina. Um, the first time I was down there, we gave $4,000 to the, uh, the lupus society there in Mendoza. Um, unfortunately the second time I went, they couldn't, they couldn't receive me because of COVID. Uh, so when we have those kinds of problems, we do what's called a child children abroad program. Uh, and we provided meals to children, uh, in an underserved community there in Mendoza, Argentina, in Nepal, I was able to meet with people with lupus, uh, the lupus foundation there in, in Nepal and in, in Kathmandu. It's just, it's tremendous, uh, what you're able to see and do from these worldly adventures. It's a big world out there. It really is. It really is. Oh, that's amazing. So, wow. Well, kudos to you for all of that. I, yeah, you'll have to keep sharing us with your summits when you summit the different places and that's exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. And then of course, before we close out, I also want people to know about your business, my summit CFO. So what we talked about today are actually some services that you provide for nonprofit organizations, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we'll so work with nonprofits to yeah. So yeah, please feel free to reach out. My summit CFO, that's Damien at my summit CFO is my email address. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we, we help ev everything from as little as just making sure your bookkeeping is good and working with your treasurer to make sure that they have the financials for board meetings all the way up to being actually uh, present or, you know, not, I can't say present, but we've attended board meetings virtually uh, to assist in understanding the financials building budgets. Uh, yeah. So all that kind of stuff can be done through my summit CFO. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, thank you for providing that service. Um, and then, yeah, part of the profits that he gets for that business also help <laughs> raise awareness. So it's, it's a win-win. Yeah. 3% of all of the income that we derive from our, our for-profit goes back into the seven summits of lupus. Oh, that's wonderful. I love that. Well, thank you again. And, and before we sign off, I just want to know, uh, we've been on Facebook Live. Have we gotten any questions that we should address? I haven't even been looking. I've been so like <laughs> focused here. <laughs> I don't see any, I don't see any questions. Nope, no questions. All right. Well, I'm sure we got lots of thumbs up and hearts there going out to you. So loving this. Um, but thank you again, Damien, for reaching out and for coming on the grant writing and funding podcast show and our YouTube show. So uh, we could raise more awareness too of what you're doing and, and the wonderful tips that you've provided on budgeting. Oh my gosh, the 
the elephant in the room, right? That a lot yeah, of nonprofits don't want to talk about. So I think these are really tangible steps. So um, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Holly. It's been a pleasure. Yes, and we'll have you back on the show soon. So let me know when you're Love to. the next thing you're doing and we'll have you back on. <laughs> Sounds great. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this podcast today. For all of the show notes again, please do visit grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 216. Also, while you're there, please join our free grant writing and funding hub haven to get access to a ton of grant writing, nonprofit, and freelance grant writing resources, templates, and so, so much more. Please do leave a review on any podcast listener and make sure you subscribe so you receive these weekly podcasts delivered right to you. All right, I'll see you next week. And thank you again for listening to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast. Have a wonderful week.